1420 KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033 K277 DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, incredible effort. Incredible effort. All you guys came in and brought a level of physicality that is unmatched. It is tough to play against teams like that for 48 minutes. You guys brought it. JV, way to respond after last game. You dominated in the paint. We dominated the boards. Jose, way to just tear the game up. That's what we need. Chris and those guys, it's hard to play against that type of pressure, that type of poise. You see, they got the flagrants. They got the technical fouls. We flipped it, okay? Great job. Now we got to go Phoenix and do it again. Yes, sir. Bring it in. Good job, fellas. Two, two. Two, two. Together all three. One, two, three. Together. Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott show. Whew. I'm still, I'm still trying to get the caffeine to give me that jolt this morning. Y'all. Cause I didn't really sleep last night. I didn't really sleep last night. These, these late NBA games, these Pelican games, Oh, it'll tip off at eight 30. Nah, it's a lie. Come on. More like eight 55. I, uh, but it's all good after a win. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Got a lot in store for you this morning. Rage of Cajun Baseball moving on up in the RPI. They get the sweep at Georgia State. The Panthers only lost two home games all season. Before Friday, UL went in and uh, won three. Cajun Softball wins another series. We won't have Jerry Glasgow on this morning. Unfortunately, he can't make it work as uh, he is traveling. We will talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15. LSU had a spring game. The NBA playoffs continue. The NFL draft is Thursday. But man, oh man. Come on. How about last night? You know, I I might have gotten into a little trouble last night. Because there was a moment in that game, you know, these these late starts... Kids are asleep by the time the first quarter's over, ideally. Like, like in bed, don't want to wake them up. It's a school night last night. Wife's asleep. She's been fighting a little bug last week. Finally starting to feel better, but early bedtime for her. And we're in the second half of that game. And, and my guy, Valanchunas, is just having a great game. And he decides to just let one rip from beyond the arc. Just, you know what? I'm feeling it. Let's just go. Huge possession. Take your time. Move the basketball. Giannis looking for three. Gets the triple. Ooh. I didn't even, it was just like a natural reaction. I just, oh, oh, shoot. 
Can't be screaming. It's a quiet house, all things considered. Please say I didn't wake anyone up. Please say I didn't wake anyone up. I may have woken one or two individuals up in my home. Then I was just praying they wouldn't come out of the room. But even if they did, I was just going to, you know, I was going to have trouble not just, just celebrating with them. I mean, come on. Balance Eunice was great. The Pels have tied the series with Phoenix two games to two. Friday, Jay Crowder, the Suns, Chris Paul, they were great. They got the Pelicans frustrated. They got under their skin. There was a number of texts called on the Pels, number of flagrants. Pels flipped the script. Number of texts called on the Suns, number of flagrants, getting in their head, frustrating them. And now it's best two out of three. Now, Phoenix, if it goes seven, they get they get Tuesday and Saturday. The Blunder will host at least one more playoff game this year on Thursday, possibly more, depending on what happens in this series. It is a series. Jonas Valanciunas talking to TNT. By the way, oh, that uh, the, the the sound of this play. Huge possession. Take your time. Move the basketball. Jonas looking for three. Gets the triple. Sorry, AD. Sorry, Antonio Daniels. On that one, they're not going to move it. He's just going to let it rip. That's from Valley Sports New Orleans. Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels with the call. And I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to them do the playoff games for those that have been watching and watching the local broadcast, not the national one, but after the national broadcast last night on TNT, Jonas Valanciunas spoke to the uh, TNT courtside reporter after the win. Well, Jonas, there is no quit in this basketball team after a game three loss at home that could have deflated you, but instead it did the exact opposite. Why is this team so confident it belongs on the stage? We're going to fight. we humble. We want to win. We're going to fight till the last second. That's, that's our identity. That's how we play, and uh, there's no other way for us. After a one-for-five performance from you, you come out and you have a career playoff high. How personal did you take game three? Every game I take personal, you know. Last game wasn't my greatest game. Uh, you know, I had to. I, I didn't sleep. I, I was thinking. Uh, I put everything together. You know, I got to be better, and uh, I'll keep performing. When you watch Alvarado and Herb Jones and all these young players, how does it electrify you and give you energy to see them out there playing with full confidence and strength? Well, they're playing with a high energy, high confidence. You know, they want to win. That's the best thing about our team. We all want to win. That's what drives us. What was the best part of watching this play stand up and just shake and rock with noise and excitement for this Pelican team? Well, you know, it's been, lately it's been really, really loud. And I appreciate the fans coming up and supporting us. And that means a lot, you know, for a young team like us, you know, uh, building, building new identity, it's, it's, it's huge. We'll see you in Phoenix. Thanks so much. Take care. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Phone lines are open for you this morning. Almost all show today. We'll talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 8.15. Cajun baseball moving on up. More on that in a little bit. 337-269-1077.
Jose Alvarado playing big minutes late. Forced an eight-second call on Chris Paul and got a steal off of him from behind late in the game. For Alvarado, who has for years said that one of his favorite players growing up when he was young was Chris Paul when he was with the New Orleans Hornets because he loved the way he played. Now as an undrafted free agent rookie is guarding him in a playoff game. As Jose said after the game last night, I mean, he's one of the best, but I'm not going to back down. He's one of of the best guards out there, right? You know, it's all love. I'm... You know, no, no disrespect, but we gon' we gonna, I'm gonna be there. Like I ain't running away from no smoke. Um, you know, it's all about basketball, nothing personal. I, I'm gonna stand on my own, and you know, it, he he want he want to uh, see how he want to see it. It's all good, but like I said, I'm gonna do my part. You know, just pick up full court. You know, try to stay the ball for him, and uh, make the game a little difficult for him. And he did. And he did. Exciting game last night for Chris Paul, who had four points last night. Matched his uh, playoff career low. Charles Barkley's been talking about it. When you get older, picking your moments, knowing when to exert as much energy as you can, because it gets you. Right? It gets you. You can't do the things you did when you were young. You can only pick those moments and now with only two games between each game and the travel you know does Chris Paul have enough because so much of it is on him look DeAndre Ayton's awesome he's awesome he's great and even though Valanciunas won the battle of the bigs last night Ayton won it in the other games I mean even in game one when Valanciunas had you know 25 rebounds Ayton, Ayton was the better player and he was 11 of 14, and they went away from him in the game. Now the Pels did some switching and brought in Nance to, to deal with Aiton a little bit and then match Valanciunas' minutes more with, with JaVale McGee, and they made some adjustments. But, I mean, Mikhail Bridges, didn't, I mean, he's, he's a great defensive player. He's not a scorer. He's played 41 minutes, scored eight points. But Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. It, it, so much of it without Devin Booker is on Chris Paul. And he needs Aiton to play at an elite level with him on the floor. Unless someone else on the team gets hot. You've seen Chris Paul take over games. You saw it in game one. You saw it in game three on Friday night. In that fourth quarter, when it became a game, Chris Paul said, oh, last night, late in the fourth, well, they're down double digits, midway through the fourth. And then Chris Paul's like, all right, well, you stayed out there for a while, but you know late in the game when Billy Gomez and Garrett Temple were checking in that it's over. (coughs) ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. We got more for you. From last night's game in New Orleans, more post-game. Herb Jones, what an incredible defender. What a great story. What a great story. Tell you what, man. 
Get some of your emails when we come back. As usual, some of you guys are really upset. Some of you guys are really excited. We'll dig into all of it. We'll dig into all of it. Brandon Ingram even cracked a smile a few times last night during the game when he was going off. We'll talk RPI in baseball, what the Cajuns did over the weekend, how they were able to move up with a sweep of Georgia State, including you don't get mercy rule very much in college baseball, and there's a reason for that, but we'll explain. LSU had a spring game. Brian Kelly had some things to say about the QB position afterwards. That's coming up as well. UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow who typically joins us on Mondays. He has um, been on the road for like two weeks. He is still driving back from Boone and um, unable to do our normal weekly one-on-one this morning. He'll join me next week. Look forward to talking to him. Don't go anywhere. It's a great Scott show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Open up my window again, open up my window again, I can hear death calling my name, I can hear death calling again, I swear to God things ain't gonna change, I swear to God things ain't gonna change, I keep a revolver with your name, I keep a revolver with your name, just in case. Lay on my back watching the ceiling fan, I had a dream to touch a kilogram. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. You're listening to is via the stream. It is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Will Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Normally, Coach Jerry Glasgow joins me at this time on Monday mornings. Not able to do it this week. He will be in next week at this time. He is driving back. Team flew back last night following uh, another Sunbelt Conference Series win. 71 in a row for Raging Cajun Softball. As, uh, they beat App State and on the entire road trip lost one game. It was Friday. They got down early and then just weren't able to get anything done the rest of the game. Won the rest of the games on the road trip and have the only uh, midweek game this week between the two Diamond Sports at UL. They will host Houston this Wednesday at 6 o'clock in a single game, 545 pregame. Tuesday and Thursday, Pelicans taking on the Suns, maybe Saturday. Depending on if he goes 7 Get back into the Pelicans in just a moment. LSU had their spring game. And a lot of the eyes were on the quarterbacks. You know, it's hard to get a feel for for teams during spring games, especially teams that are going through transitions. 
said the same thing about, you know, UL when I was talking to Coach Desermo and when there's not as much continuity as there is year to year. And for LSU, you have a brand new coach. Eyes were on the quarterbacks. Um, Nussmeyer, the redshirt freshman in terms of, you know, the first. I mean, he was efficient, 9-16, of 16, a buck 36. Had a nice 30-yard completion in Neighbors. Um, I think Jalen Daniels, looking at the highlights, Jaden had probably the, the transfer from Arizona State. I mean, you can see the talent. The best throw of the whole first half, it was, I think, the third drive. He's going against the uh, – he's working with the first team and threw a back shoulder throw, that which is beautiful. Miles Brennan, you know, the drives didn't end great for him, but if you just look at the stat sheet, he was 11-17 for almost 100 yards. Brian Kelly asked, hey, might you play two quarterbacks? He said, I've played two before. It's not easy. But I'd much rather just play one, try to fit the offense to their traits. But I've done it before. Did you do anything? Did anyone set themselves apart, Brian? Uh, we didn't clear up anything with the quarterback today. We probably made it more difficult. Boy, that's, that's not what you want to hear. But he said it's because he felt like they all played well. It'll be a storyline heading all the way into the season opener for LSU. If you got stability at quarterback in high school, college, pro football, it's invaluable, man. It really is. It really is. Cajun baseball, like I said, we'll talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 815. They move their RPI up to 44. Georgia Southern third in the RPI. More on that later. Pelicans. Getting it done last night. Got a number of emails we'll get into in a minute from some of our listeners. 337-269-1077. Phone lines are open for you if you want to get in on the show. On a Monday, let's get to it. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hey. What's up? I got a question for you. You always do, my friend. What's going on? How, How much of an effect do you think the officials have on games in the NBA. I mean, what do you want me to quantify it? I mean, obviously it's huge depending on how they want to call it close, depending on if they want to call touch fouls. Are you going to hold off of a screen? Are you going to let them get physical? I mean, same thing with umpires well, I mean, and, and it, you know, what, when you, when you well, establish I, I, something I, early, stick with it. And when you don't, yeah, you know, that's, that's whenever you have problems. Well, it, it, it's not as bad as it used to be. But I can tell you, once upon a time, the officials determined who won and who lost. Where, and where, 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 is, better, where are you going with it? What, what is inspiring this well, phone call? Well, I'm, I'm going with it. I'm going with it like this. In my opinion, if the officials had done their job the right way Friday night, that would have been a Pelicans win as well. And. I looked at that game last night and all, and, and listened to the interviews afterwards. And the only thing that I heard come out of the out of the mouths of the the sons was the only reason we lost was the officials. Look at the look at look at the line on the amount of free throw shooting. You know, basically without complaining, they complained. That's all they did was complain about the officiating. And yet, if it hadn't been for the officiating, that game would have been a bigger blowout than what it was. The Pelicans right now, 
I don't care about what the season says. I care about what's going on right now in this series. The Pelicans right now are the better basketball team, and it's not even close. Okay, the, the, when you when you talk about a guy like Aiton and a guy like Valasunas, Valasunas has got Aiton completely, absolutely, one hundred percent neutralized. That is the Pelicans' second best player now. Okay, you got Booker, you got Aiton, and then you have Chris Paul, and then you have the rest of the basketball team for the Phoenix Suns. When you look at our, what is really the Pelicans, I guess he is their third best player now is Valanciunas. Valanciunas has been How their third great. best player. He was the best player early in the season when Ingram was hurt, and he was well, the only one putting that. up good stats back when they were struggling, and then he was the second yeah. best player pretty much the whole year. Now, look, CJ hasn't had one of those games yet in this playoff series that he's capable of. He hadn't played his, his best ball, but he could be due for one here coming up. Well, overall, we're we're kicking their ass. That's that's the bottom line. And and the whole idea. But what's going to really bother me is, you know, I'm watching this series. It's two to two, and it should be three to one. The Pelicans' way right now. They 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 got screwed out of the game Friday, and I'm thinking the only thing that's going to ruin this is the officials <laughs> because right now. The the, the the Pelicans own the Phoenix Suns. They own them mentally. They own they own them emotionally. They own them physically. They own them every way that you can own them, and it's showing. And records don't matter. It doesn't matter what your record was during the year. Right now, for for these two teams in this contest, the matchups belong to the Pelicans. And I'm going to hate to see what the officials are going to have to do if they're going to if they're going to give the quote best team. You know, if they if they get in there and quote give the best team this series, then they're going to it's going to get awful bad. The officiating from here on out is going to get. I, I sure hope that doesn't happen. You know, that is what's pretty much ruined the NBA in the past. And I'm really hoping that they don't do that because right now this Pelicans team is playing at a really, really high level. Will they be able to do it after they get past the Suns? I don't know. But I know one thing. These matchups favor the Pelicans big time because of their their size and their their length and their athleticism, their ability to rebound and make it too hard on the on the Suns, which is what I told you to start out this series, even after the first game. When I saw the way that they were playing, I'm like, oh my God, this team is really for real. And if this thing goes the way it should, Pelicans are gonna win this thing. They're gonna win it. If if, if, if I, I got a feeling the only way they don't win it is if the officials stick their nose in it and take it from them. Later. All right, Kyle. Kyle's already setting it up to blame the officials when the Pels lose. Scott is out. Listen, I, I don't I don't know that... I, I didn't think the officiating was atrocious Friday night. That's my opinion. Kyle has his. You know, the Pelicans lost because they were 4-26 from the three-point line. They didn't have an answer for Chris Paul. They didn't. They have had more complete quarters 
right? Bad second quarter Friday, really bad first half um, in game one. Valanchunas, he's, he, he was awesome last night, right? He wasn't great Friday. He was awesome last night. But he's getting a lot of minutes against McGee. You know, yeah, yeah. To to start the first half and second half, he's he's you know got the matchup with Aiton, and they're getting him off of the pick and roll, and Paul's trying to do his thing. But I don't know that it's Valanciunas. I mean, Aiton was eleven of fourteen last night. Larry Nance, who hadn't been getting it done offensively, came in, and he's able to switch off of it. It's 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 more complex than that. And, and last night, the Pelicans shot forty two free throws to the Suns fifteen. You talk about officiating. Now, eight of those, eight of those were, were technical free throws, not to mention the Pelicans have been top 10 uh, free throw team all season in terms of number of free throws per game. That's not, you know, the, the, the Suns are the fifth to last since it's the all-star break or dead last in the NBA. So free throw disparity isn't new for the Suns. And you take away the techs and say 34 to 15, that's still a lot. And Monty Williams is doing what he has to do. Hey, look, the Pelicans played harder. They, they deserved to beat us. But as a coach, I have to point this out. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You're going to work the refs as much as possible. And I'm with you. I hope that coming out of game five, six, seven, the big story isn't the officials. I hope that's not the case. But, man, you're getting swept up in that. Like, Pels, <laughs> he shot, shot 33 more free throws last night. Granted, some of them were techs. And it's not unusual for the Suns to be on the wrong end of free throw disparity if you just look at the statistics throughout the entire season, especially when they're playing a team like the Pelicans who were top 10 in the uh, in the NBA this season in free throw attempts. It's a series. Jay emails earlier. Says, typical NBA refs on their BS. Chris Paul only had four points. Hopefully the Pels are done in six. Troy says, tell Kyle it's 2-2. They going back to Phoenix, wake up, acting like the series is over. But Ruiz is still better than Rofe. Come on, Kyle. He also says, show some class. The, tra- the, the crowd chanting F Chris Paul and FJ Crowder. Well, first of all, that's when you know you're upset whenever fans are just bringing up like chants from the, the, the crowd. That's when you know you're upset that the team you're rooting against simply because people in your area are rooting for you when you just point at the crowd. Now, F.J. Crowder, that's not a surprise. Yeah, Chris Paul, that's that's a little that's a little over the line in my opinion. I won't I won't I won't disagree with him there. I won't disagree with him there. That was on Friday, but that wasn't anything compared to the Jay Crowder chance last night. And Chris Paul, even on Friday, was asked about that, and he pointed out, "Come on, that ain't much." Like I said, I, I grew up here six to the best years of my life. I played for New Orleans. And, uh, you can't, you know, base a select number of people on an entire group. You know, I know how I am with this city. That'll never change. I, like I said, I have my parents here, my family here, nothing like it. There'll always be so much love between me and the city here. So. Ronnie Williams said the same thing. He said, anyway, it wasn't like it was gigantic portion of the fans saying the Chris Paul thing. Now, they didn't say that last night about Jay Crowder. That's, that's a fact. 
ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, Daniel emails. Scott, this is Brandon Ingram series. Unless the Suns can trap him near the baseline or near the out-of-bounds line, he seems to be getting whatever he wants. He's in the zone. He said last night he's having fun. I'm having fun watching him. Brandon Ingram is the truth. All right. Appreciate the email. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate the different perspectives. Y'all are up on a Monday morning talking NBA hoops. The NFL draft is Thursday. See what I'm saying? There's interest. There's buzz one way or the other. I dig it. I dig it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Lines lit up. Let's get back to it. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Good morning, Scott. You uh, you changed our perspective of the game last night because every time Larry Shamet got the ball, all I kept hearing in my head was, go, go, gadget three-pointer. Landry, Sh- Landry Shamet does. He does resemble <laughs> Inspector Gadget with a beard. He does. Oh, Jesus, dude. I couldn't uh, could breathe. I couldn't breathe. And then, then you inspired me to notice that uh, Cameron Payne, Looks like John Turturro and the guy from uh, yeah. Captain he lo- he looks like he kind of does look like Turturro a little bit. I hadn't noticed that until you pointed it out, but uh, I, I see it a little <laughs> got, bit. Oh man, and he has such a weird three point shot. Like the way he stands when he shoots is so weird. But um, it's the release. Nah, it's a lefty, calling, and 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 I'll I'll yeah. even I'll even give credit to Payne. I mean, when he was in OKC, um, Monty Williams he 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 credits Monty with like saving his career. I mean, he was, like, not doing much of anything. Looked like he was on his way out the league. Monty sort of just revitalized him and then brought him to Phoenix. And he's a, he's a big part of what they do. But uh, all jokes aside, I know, I know I'm complimenting Phoenix. Look, it's, it's a dogfight right now. I mean, the, the, fact, the Pelicans, obviously, they were the – Phoenix was the more desperate team Friday. New Orleans was the more desperate team last night, right? Um, what's, I, I, don't, I don't even know. You know, how the teams are going to come out tomorrow. How is Chris Paul going to do on short rest after a flight and everything else? I don't know. I just know the more desperate team won over the weekend in both of those games. I think I think the thing, the, the thing is, is everybody has their own narratives and everything, but I really believe with the brand of defense the Pelicans play, if they can shoot over 40%, they're going to win the game. Because every game I've seen them lose in the, in the past two, three months – have been games where they just shot bad, like not just like okay, like bad, twenty percent, twenty five percent, thirty percent, thirty three percent, like just couldn't buy a bucket. And so I think if you can keep Chris Paul from making literally every single shot from the corner of the, th- the free throw line, and you can, you know, limit Aiden with Valanciunas, you can get Javale McGee to stop making every single shot when we put rotational players in. It, it, you can win the game. They just have to make shots, and and that's what they did last night. They were making shots, and so well, uh, it, it's uh, uh, you're you're not wrong, but I think I think a lot of it is. I mean, it, the Pelicans actually shot a better percentage Friday night than they did last night from the field. Um, now they were, really? yeah. Now they were. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, shoot, they they shot better. I want to say they shot forty eight percent and thirty. I percent maybe from three point range last night they didn't. I mean last night the, a huge difference was the free throws. You know, I mean Bells fans might not want to hear about it. I mean the disparity was a giant part of the game. Now 
did you watch that game and at some point be like, oh my God, how are they not calling these fouls over and over and over? You know, you didn't you didn't feel like they had that moment where New Orleans was just being overly physical and they were, you know, letting him get away with a hundred things. And as I said earlier, Phoenix was, you know, bottom five in the league in free throw attempts this year and and, and dead last since the All-Star break. Pels have been top ten all season regardless of you know, whether Ingram was out, CJ was on the team yet or not. It's just been an imp- a point of emphasis for them. So free throw disparity isn't, isn't I- I'll admit, even when you take away the techs, it's still pretty big from last. That was the difference last night in my mind. And the Pels made it a point to, you know, go at the guys and um, try to get to the paint and not settle for these, you know, super long-range shots and, you know, it worked. I mean, it was it was good. It it, it, it and I, I imagine it'll be a big difference maker on Tuesday as well. I, I think my favorite part is though is like how they're they're just playing with house money, man. Like they're not afraid. Like they just don't care. It's like, bro, nobody even thought we were gonna be here. Like they're not afraid. Like they're just ready to make things happen. But you, you pointed out a good point, man. This is gonna be a good week. We got Pelicans game, possibly game seven, hopefully game six, but game seven. We got the NFL draft. We have Festival International. It's going to be a good week, Scott. I'll holler at you later, man. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Thirty-eight after the hour. Chris emails, he says, do you think there's ever been a time an eight seed played a one seed and the eight seed held their best player? Um, I don't think they're holding Zion Williamson. If Zion Williamson was healthy, I think he'd be playing. I think the medical staff is extremely judicious. I think we've seen this since Zion got to the team. You look back to his rookie year and holding him out and having him on a burst limit and everything else. Oh, well, he can go up and he can do these giant dunks and he can do this and he can do that. He could give you 10 or 15. I think you'd play him. I don't think it's a matter. And not to mention, if he was healthy and they weren't letting him play, then, you know, he could go to the union and and now they're not going to go that far with it, right? Why aren't they playing me? But no, I mean, I, I I don't think it's an intentional thing. It would certainly shake some things up, but Andrew Lopez reported last week that Zion is unlikely to play in the series, even if it goes seven games. It would be pretty nuts if you inserted Zion at some point in the postseason. And he wants to play. He wants to play. Ben Simmons had 10 straight days of pain-free practice, and then suddenly Brooklyn on the verge of getting swept. Mm. Coincidentally, his back hurts a little bit. Brooklyn, by the way, the only team that might get swept. Every other series, not the case. Denver, down 3-0, still got a win yesterday. I think Golden State will close that out later this week, but Boston has a chance to end it tonight against Brooklyn. We'll see if the, uh, the Nets can get a win. Toronto down 3-0 also got a win. Philly has a chance to end it tonight at home, and then Dallas and Utah tied up 2-2. Two two. Luka returned over the week, and the series has probably been watched the least, but it's tied up 2-2. Two two. Got some good series out there. Let's head to the phone lines. ESPN Lafayette, good morning. Welcome into the show. Hey, Scott, how you doing? This is John. John, what's going on? Hey, man. Uh, I thought maybe you could... Uh, change the subject for a second. How did Glasgow break his foot? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, that's just that's just strange. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, uh, they played well after that first game. I think they were just tired and out of sorts in that first game. They were after a long road trip when they they caught a pitcher that uh, had their number. Well, on Friday, that's what happened. They got down early, and they just, you know, the, the, the young lady found her way, and she, you know, she took him the distance. I mean, you weren't, of all the games yeah. you, you were expected on the road trip, if they were going to only lose one, it might not have been the one you picked, but that's why they play the game. And they still won the series, and they're still sitting pretty coming back home, and they're still playing their best ball of uh, the season. So, Yeah, hopefully uh, our, our RPI won't go down too much because of that uh, well listen rpi at this point ul is going to be our two or three in a regional that's what they're going to be regardless right like and and at the end of the day there's really no difference between a two and a three and other than the number that's in front of you you know what i'm saying like that's you know first round they're gonna the ncaa is gonna try to get you you know as 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 least amount of flights as possible and then from there you know you're probably going to play somewhere close by unless you're one of the teams that like my thing is in terms of rpi it matters big time whenever you're trying to be a one seed or host but that 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 ship sailed earlier this season for you yeah um do you think you could find out where another subject uh where where all the players from ul and baseball where they're playing in the minor leagues I saw Hogan Harris's uh, dad at the softball game, and he said he was going to be at, in AAA for uh, for Oakland. Do you know anything about any of them? Off the top of my head, no. But if you go to uh, milb.com, you can find out yourself. You can put in any player's name. You can look for it by the school. It's all there for you via the World Wide Web, my friend. Okay, thanks a lot. All right. Have a great I mean, I'm not Google, but yes, M-I-L-B. You can look at it that way. I know uh, Todd Lott is <clears throat> doing his thing, I think, for the double-A team with St. Louis. Hogan Harris is still doing his thing. Last I checked, I think he was with the Lansing Lugnuts, if I'm not mistaken, a high uh, single-A affiliate. Yeah. M-I-L-B dot com. The internet is your friend. Like a stay on topic. 43 after the hour. I was going to ask Jerry about a number of things. Um, because of travel, he wasn't able to come on this morning. We will talk to Coach Matt Deggs at 815. We'll talk a little college baseball then. Phone lines are open for you. 337-269-1077. When we come back, more of your phone calls and Willie Green. Comments from him after last night's win. Herb Jones, not on Herb. His thoughts on Herb continuing to play like anything but a rookie. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. He was the 1991 state champion in Nintendo. Ready, down, hut, hut, hut. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. From what I understand, Coach Glasgow, it was an old injury that he re-aggravated while maybe throwing BP. Pitching, batting practice in the Midwest. And uh, that's what I know. ESPN Lafayette. Talked a lot about the Pels this hour. A little bit about LSU's spring game, UL and uh, LSU, and UL uh, baseball and softball. We'll talk a lot more UL baseball at 8.15. Got a lot to get into with Rage Cajun head baseball coach Matt Deggs. Cajuns go to Georgia State and get a sweep up to 44 in the latest RPI. And, you know, just that, and considering Georgia State was 17-2 and two at home this season before this past weekend, we, they talk often about generosity, not giving a lot of free stuff up. They didn't really give up a ton of free stuff over the weekend. And lo and behold, they got a sweep and won via the run rule, which you can only do on a Sunday in conference play whenever you're up by 10 or more in the seventh inning. Well, that happened yesterday, 14 to 2, 15 hits total. Carson Rockefeller, he's playing like an All-American. I've been saying it for a while. It was awesome. Some guys just play big. More on that next hour when we chat. With Matt Dex. Herb Jones, second round pick out of Alabama. One of the best defensive players in the NBA. I mean, Chris Paul gave him a good hard swipe at the head last night, and Herb just unbothered by it. He's stoic, he's quiet, he's an incredible defender, and he doesn't play like a guy that you know was in college last year. Willie Green on the competitive nature of one Herb Jones. Uh, it's, it's unlimited amount of competitive fire that he has. Uh, he's a quiet guy in, in nature, but on the floor, he he's aggressive. He's all about it. Um, he's into guys, and you can see it come out when he and Chris and other guys were getting into it. He just he was just battling yeah, I like to ask the same thing about Jose and what he was able to do with his competitive fire in that fourth quarter. Yeah, same thing from Jose. Um, he just got in the game and kind of just tore the game up. <laughs> the nine guys, um, you know, being aggressive defensively, getting underneath their skin, and uh, he, he's frustrating to play against. And that's just how we have to play. There's no other way. We have to play hard like that every time we step on the floor. And uh, it was good to see our guys respond the way we did tonight. Herb and Jose, second-round pick, undrafted rookie, doing big things in big moments. C.J. McCollum has been around the league for a minute. His thoughts on Herb Jones. It's incredible to, to see you know his attention to detail, his, his athleticism. Uh, I was talking to Diggs about it earlier. I've never seen a guy this young, this sharp, this smart, this unbothered, unfazed. You know, he's getting the toughest assignments every night, unbothered, comes in, same personality, same swagger. You know what you're going to get from him. And I think the really cool part is that he can guard on the ball and off the ball. A lot of guys can't do that, especially as rookies. Either you got on ball stoppers or you got guys who can chase. He can do both, and his ability to close space is unlike anything I've seen. He's not blocking shots out the hand. He's meeting he's meeting the ball in the air, which is incredible. The, the wingspan, the timing, the length. Um, and then him being able to get into the ball. Uh, he's always into the ball. He's always active. He's got great help side awareness. And um, 
he does get enough credit for his jump shot. His form is, is really, really good, and he works on it. So uh, the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be very good, uh, not only for us, but for this league going forward. And you know, he'll be first team on defense as soon as they start watching Pelicans games. No lies detected there. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. All right. For John, who's still listening, who wanted to know where each UL baseball player was playing and wanted it off the top of my head in minor league ball, which I couldn't do off the top of my head. Thanks to my guy, Top Brad Topham, I've got it for you. Now, I remember that Todd Lott was with the double-A Cardinals team, and Hogan Harris was, I think, in high-A Lansing. Happy to say that I did get those two. I couldn't tell you the others, but now I've got them. So we'll start from the highest level and work our way down. Uh, Hayden Cantrell... Todd Lott and Brandon Young are all in double-A right now. Cantrell with double-A Pensacola as part of the Marlins. Lott in Springfield, double-A as part of the Cardinals. And then Brandon Young, double-A uh, in Bowie as part of the Orioles. High single-A, you got Hogan Harris, as we mentioned, with Ludwig. Logan Stalky with Greensboro, and he's part of the Pirates. And then Spencer Arigetti, high-A Asheville, playing for the Asheville Tourists, minor league team up there in North Carolina, as part of the Astros organization. And then in single A, uh, Connor Cook, single A, uh, Dunan as part of the Blue Jays organization. And then Drake Osborne over in St. Lucie as uh, part of the Mets organization, single A. So there you have it, all eight of them. I can only give you two off the top of my head. My guy Top helped me out. Said, not off the top of your head, Scott, but here are the others. Appreciate that. And uh, for John, if you're listening, I hope that helps you. We'll talk more Cajun baseball at 8.15 with Coach Matt Deggs. Yesterday was just great, man. Great. You know, they moved the order around a little bit this weekend. They didn't, uh, let's say, uh, they weren't generous. Their pitchers were not generous. They weren't giving up freebies. And when they don't, Cajuns can beat anybody in the country. And you think of the Sun Belt right now. I mean, I mentioned Cajuns being 44 in RPI. Georgia Southern is third. And Southern Miss is coming to the Sun Belt and Old Dominion. I mean, the the future of the Sun Belt as a baseball conference, dare I say, has never been higher than what it is right now, considering who is coming into the conference, considering how far some programs have come, like a Georgia Southern. Remember, they got there was big expectations for the Eagles this year. They got absolutely mauled opening weekend and everybody's like oh i'm not sure well it turns out that team that beat them is pretty good in tennessee they're do they're just doing ungodly like things and other than that i mean georgia southern's played really well the fact the cajuns took two or three really should have swept the series again you don't give up the free stuff you beat anybody don't go anywhere great scott show continues brandon ingram how did he feel after the game? His thoughts. Feel like it's our time, that quote from B.I. More from him. Coach Matt Deggs at 815. All coming your way. This is ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. ESPN 1420. KPEL Lafayette. ESPN 1033. K277 DQ Lafayette. A Town Square media station. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott!
The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show. Eight o'clock hour. Coach Matt Deggs coming up at 8.15. The Raging Cajun baseball team coming off of a sweep of Georgia State. Moved up to 44 in the latest RPI. Up from 55 over at NCAA. Um, You know, I... I'm going to get more into this with with Coach Deggs. You know, last time I asked him about Carson Rockefeller playing at All-American level, he's like, yeah, he is. He's doing good. I mean, good. He just got legit All-American this year, right? The way he's performing? Maybe off base here? By the way, Georgia State was at 36, and the RPI fell all the way to 57 with the sweep. Big jumps. Now the Cajuns have a ways, still still have a little ways to go. If um, you know they want to be a team that could potentially get in there as an at large, but they're right there on the cusp. They just gotta gotta keep winning. Gotta keep winning. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You know, I got in the doghouse a little bit because. I may have woken my family up late last night. These late Pels games are making me drink like an extra shot of caffeine the next morning. Because not only are the games late, but then they're I mean, I mean, just ramped up. Win or lose either way. Like when the game ends, I can't just go to sleep. I don't even know what time it was last night when I fell asleep. It was late. Really late. I don't know what time it was exactly when Jonas Valanciunas hit that three-pointer. But it was late. And the kids and my wife had been asleep for a while, but I just couldn't help it. Huge possession. Take your time. Move the basketball. Jonas looking for three. Gets the triple. I just, I was, oh, 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 kind of, kind of got loud. Then caught myself. It's never happened. I mean, I've, I've, had enough reps now as a dad trying to watch sports when kids are sleeping to say that I'm a pro at it, but I just, I had a moment. I had a moment. I lost control. A lot, I let out a little yell. And then I was like, oh, bleep. <laughs> Tell you what, man. As much as has been talked about Chris Paul or the free throws last night, or Valanciunas, or Herb Jones, or Jose Alvarado, Grand Theft Alvarado, or DeAndre Ayton, or Monty Williams, or Brandon Ingram. It's his team, and it could be his series. So locked in. And when they don't get him on the trap, and he gets out of it, he's been borderline unstoppable for most of this series. 
said last night after the game to Jen Hale, said, you having fun? He's like, I'm having the time of my life. Never had more fun in my whole life. B.I. after the game last night. B.I. for uh, someone who's first time it's in the playoffs, you just uh, have, have looked pretty unfazed these last two weeks. Just what has allowed you to, to feel comfortable on this uh, stage? Um, to God be the glory. Um, I feel this. Um, I feel this our town. Um, we've worked so hard throughout the year um, to become a better team and we finally get the chance to uh, be on a really, really big stage and continue to play together. Uh, my teammates have been helping me out a lot, just putting me in the right spots, passing me the ball in the right areas, and just making me look good. Um, it's, it's been a team effort, and um, I just love playing with the guy. Uh, how much did it help you guys getting JV going early in that game? He was big, you know, um, in that third and fourth quarter. Um, he kind of controlled the game um, on, the, on the offensive end, just pounding down low. And, um, on the defensive end, just rebounding the basketball. He's, he was um, big for us tonight. And what did you think about the way you guys brought the fight to, to CP tonight on the defensive end, especially in that second half? Uh, we followed a game plan. Um, Herb did a good job. Everybody that was on the night did a really good job of just standing to him, um, trying to make things uncomfortable for him. Um, Jose did a good job coming off the bench and trying to make him, make him feel uncomfortable. And it, it definitely um, fueled our team. Um, Everybody was affected that came in tonight. And how does it affect you guys when Herb and Jose are kind of flying around the way they were in that fourth quarter, making plays, forcing turnovers, all that kind of stuff? It's energy. Um, something we need. Um, Brandon Ingram, after last night's win. From them, that that will bring energy to, to our whole team. Um, they've been big for us all year. Every time they come into the game, they, they make stuff happen. So um, we want them to stay consistent in how they approach the game, and it's definitely going to help us out along the way. What did you think of uh, the three blocks that Herb had on, the, on those three-pointers? Um, man, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's amazing every time that you see it. Um, he's, um, since day one, he's, he's brought the energy in the, in, in, in the defense. Um, like a like a professional every single day, and um, hasn't missed a game, um, and he's there every every day just being consistent. So um, I'm I'm happy for him. And for Jose getting a little sneaky steal on on Chris Paul, what did you what did you think of him getting that one? He was active, um, you know, for for that to happen, especially with CP. He, he you know he he has to be um, mentally out of the game because he. CP is really good, um, especially in that fourth quarter, just trying to manipulate everybody on the floor. So um, for, for Jose to do that in the fourth quarter, it was, it was big for us. And speaking of CP, how, how big was it to you guys continue to show him different looks tonight to and kind of keep him out of the paint and not allow him to, to get going like he did in those uh, M1 and 3? He kept them all balanced. You know, that's a really, really good team over there. And usually um, when we do different coverages, they just adjust to it. And tonight we just tried to show them different things where – they couldn't adjust to it as fast, and um, it worked out. One more. This is Brandon Ingram last night after the Pelicans win. Yeah, I mean, um, even without even without Jose doing what he does, um, they bring a lot of energy. Um, seeing all the seats just filled in the arena is. Um, it's, it's confidence for us to come out and do what we do. We know they're going to be really, really loud. And um, when Jose comes in, they, he's a, um, a fan favorite. So 
that definitely bumps up the energy uh, a bit more and helps us play um, a bit crisper. You know, Brandon Ingram has been so good when he's played in the last three years in New Orleans. Got a max contract. Made an all-star game in his first year with him. Said the right things. Done the right things. Playing at a high level right now. It's almost easy to forget that when he was part of that initial trade for Anthony Davis, there was question as to whether he would ever play again. His last season with the Lakers, he had to, you know, he left the game and then he almost died. He had a shoulder blood clot that required a serious surgery. I think it was a thoracic outlet decompression surgery on his right arm, something like that. Might be pronouncing it wrong. But I remember reading about it. And there were some that are like, he. This, this thing, if this doesn't go the way it's supposed to go, he may never play again. And at the time, he was, what, 21? Young. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe Alvarado is as old as Brandon Ingram and three years older than Zion. But, you know, college experience, coming out after one year of college, whatever, different levels of play. Ingram, it wasn't just a, a sore arm. I mean, it was a serious thing in you know, he when the trade happened, there was there was more coverage. I think about obviously Anthony Davis and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, um, who I'm sure it's part of him has got to be tough watching what the Pelicans are doing, enjoying this ride. But Josh Hart indoctrinated himself to the fan base instantly, and so there was a, a, a understandably the media wanting to cover him a good bit. Ingram, I don't want to, he was, he certainly was not an afterthought. He was a centerpiece to the trade, but there was this risk involved, right? Is he going to be able to play basketball or is this going to be a a career altering thing? And he's having his moment right now, regardless of whether the Pels win this series or lose this series. He's getting to have the national stage and he's making the most of it. ESP and Lafayette, best ticket in sports. College baseball. On the national stage, when you get to regional play, are the Cajuns positioning themselves to do it right now? We'll ask Coach Matt Deggs that question and much, much more. The head coach of the Louisiana Rage Cajun baseball team joins me next right here on the Gray Scott Show. On a Monday, this is ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. <laughs> Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Monday morning per his musical request. I don't know that he actually did, but I know he wanted it. Bad company by bad company for good company on a Monday morning. When we get to talk to the head coach of the Rage of Cajun baseball team, coach Matt Daggs. Good morning, coach. How are we feeling on this Monday? Good morning, Scotty. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, um, you know, I know it was it was a, a road trip, late night. Uh, you're up early. Uh, you have good reason why you're up late. I just I was too jacked after watching a sporting event. You uh, coached a number of them over the weekend. You got the sweep. I, w- I want to start with this, Coach. We've we've kind of said this throughout the season. You've you said it right. 
when you guys aren't generous is the word you use, when you don't give up free stuff, you have the talent to beat anybody in the country. And from a generosity standpoint, you guys weren't very nice this weekend. I mean, you didn't give up very much out, what, only maybe four walks? there. That, that was yeah. such a big part of you guys' ability to go in there and get a sweep on the road against a team that prior to Friday had only lost twice at home all season. Yeah, and look, when we walked in the ballpark, you could see immediately uh, why they've only lost twice. It's a, it's a, uh, a challenging venue, to say the least, and, and it's just not what you're used to or accustomed to. But uh, for us, look, we've got a really tough team, one of the tougher teams I've coached in a long time, just physically and mentally. And, uh, you know, they're, they're down for pretty much whatever. And, you know, coming off a a game on Tuesday, which was a huge opportunity for us, and we really didn't play well at all, Uh, and I'm really offensively, and uh, that's what really got me. And, uh, you know, taking nothing away from LSU, I like their ball club, and and I think Jay and them are going to do really well heading into the stretch, but uh, we didn't play good. And uh, then we were up for like 36 hours straight because nobody could go to sleep really. And our, our bus left the clubhouse at 1 a.m. That's just the way the flight worked uh, on, on Thursday morning. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you you leave the clubhouse at 1 a.m. and and drive to New Orleans and, you know, catch a flight and, and uh, get into Atlanta at about, I don't know, seven or eight, and uh, we went straight from the airport to their field, and we practiced. And uh, we just they, – they were nice enough to let us use their locker room. We changed in their locker room, and, and we got out on this field, and we proceeded just to get after it. No sleep, no nothing, and had a little simulated game. And uh, I, just, I just told them, I said, this ballpark, is, is, uh, it, it suits us to a T. And, uh, you know, Jonathan Brandon said, yes, yeah, like 12 year old all-star little league practice. And that, that was kind of the, the theme, right? It don't matter. We'll play you in the parking lot. We'll play you wherever, but this ballpark s- sets up to us. And it's actually a beautiful setting surrounded by trees, et cetera. And, but you can see why there's some of the offensive numbers there are because there's no gap really. And, and center field short, which, and then the lines are big. It's 335, which, Really, anytime you get in a situation like that, it's going to benefit the hitter because it'll lock them into a good approach, meaning you just hunt the big part of the ballpark. And uh, that's what it did for us. And, you know, talking about generosity, really the key to us the last, I think you can trace it back to Marshock. Whenever Marshock came back, whenever that was, I think it was South Alabama. We've been really good, and uh, our defense has just been incredible. I think it's 980-something during that time, and the walks are down, and, and we defended on a tough field really well all weekend. We had one error, basically. Uh, I know they charged C.J. Willis with an error. Oddly enough, in the midst of a no-hitter by Schultz, their score gave C.J. Willis an error on a ball that wouldn't have been an error in our, ball, our ballpark. Yeah. Uh, our, really, our, our only error was Jeff Wilson throwing to uh, first base on a bunt, and uh, he just his arm got too long. You got to throw a dart in that situation. Uh, 
but yeah, you're exactly right. We didn't give them anything, and that's kind of a key to their offense. They feed off freebies. And the one inning that we did, they scored a couple of times. Uh, after that, though, that was that. And thought the, the, the pitching was really good. You know, even Tally, we asked him to pitch twice this week. He gave us six good innings. Uh, Bo kind of filled that gap. And then, you know, Jake Hammond, who's probably the hottest guy on the staff right now, uh, really shut him down and kind of sent him into a little bit of a funk, I think. And Schultz, he was able to just pound the fastball, show him enough of a slider to keep him off of it. And he was going to both sides of the plate. And then uh, Big Hefe yesterday, just he introduced that slider, and that was that. And yeah. uh, the offense, you know, these these kids are getting after it right now. 15. Rockefort. I mean, thank God Rockefort's on our team, right? I, I asked you a few weeks ago um, about, you know, All-American-type status. I don't know if he will be coached, but to me it's undeniable. He's been playing like an All-American this year. He could end up with, you know, over 15 homers and 350 batting average, and I don't even know how many stole bases, stolen bases. He's just – you talk about consistency at the highest level. He has been that for you guys since day one. Yeah, he's a really good player, really good, and he's a great dude and just very understated, very humble, And uh, but yet uh, he runs hot, right? He's an intense competitor. And, uh, you know, if he played in that ballpark, he'd probably be leading the nation in home runs right now. And, uh, you know, Kempel would be right there as well. Uh, but he's he's putting together a season that's like, you know, it's uh, it's right up there with what Jace was doing and, and some of those guys when you talk about All-Americans. And the RBI numbers are what I really like. Yep. Uh, you guys had plenty of them yesterday as well. You talked about applying pressure at the plate. Rockefort, his 10th bomb of the year. Uh, Kimple had that homer late on Friday. And about that, when you go on the road and you have the, the schedule that you had getting there, as you documented earlier, that Friday night game, yes, it's always important to get the Friday night game. But when you get it in the fashion that you did, right, it's a single run, it's a close contest. How does that shape the approach on Saturday and Sunday in terms of just Putting, applying pressure, right? That seems to be the theme here. Applying pressure on an opponent at their house when you get that Friday night win by a single run. Yeah, I mean, that's a big momentum uh, changer right there. You know, they, they uh, it looked like they had us, but you're right. Our schedule has really toughened us up, and there's, there's nothing that we're going to see, Scott, that we haven't seen, right, uh, from a – from a pitching perspective to offense to umpiring to whatever you want to talk about, there's there's really nothing that's going to shock us. And, uh, you know, the kid hung a change up and, and an 2 count, I think, and, and Kemp went and got it and, and was able to sling it, uh, you know, straight away. And it was a no-doubter and kind of set the tone for the rest of the weekend. And Jake Hammond followed that up with a really impressive bottom half and, and uh, we were off and running. You know, what I liked offensively is it wasn't just home runs. It was stolen bases. It was bunts. You know, Kempel had, what, two or three home runs, I guess two home runs. And uh, he also laid down a beautiful safety push yesterday. And uh, just all facets all facets of, of the offense kind of rolling a little bit. You guys, have, you're moving around the lineup a little bit as well. Um, you know, obviously it gives – 
Carson some good protection. But whenever you're getting contributions from the bottom of the order, what is, I mean, again, I know I'm, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse with the question, but what does that do for the rest of the offense? Well, it makes the, the, the opposing pitcher and defense feel like they're facing the same guy a hundred times in a row. It's just, it's length. And, uh, you know, it, it, when Julian bangs, when Julian gets to hitting and the bottom is doing some stuff, then it probably felt like to them every time they look up, Connor Kemple was hitting. And that's, that's what the Yankees had back in the day, like just long lineups where everybody's the same. You know that you're going to be in for just a grinded out at bat. And, uh, you know, when the bottom does that, uh, and it was kind of happenstance, man. You know, you, you move Kemp to the leadoff spot. I don't know that the bottom's going to get hot, but they just kept – teeing it up right in his lap, and, and uh, it was good to see. And then Rocco, you know, the big thing about Rocco is he just he does it every time he has to. And uh, for I could see if you had two or three Roccos, but we only have one. And uh, that's a lot of heat on that dude, and he just somehow finds a way to get it done. Yeah, I think of all his uh, accolades to me, or, you know, all of his accomplishments this year, it's the consistency that's been – the most impressive thing. I mean, that's hard in any aspect of life, coach. But as you know, in the sport of baseball, man, it's it um, I, it's rare, right? I mean, the the, the numbers oh, say yeah. as much. So that's that's to to be and, that consistent. And at the same time, they're trying to pitch around him a lot of times, right? But he is really good out of the zone as well. I mean, he can go get a ball that's in the other batter's box or up. He can really get to the pitch that's up. Uh, you know, so he he makes a lot of stuff happen as well. Now, having sandwiched him in between Shock and, and TR, I think, is helping him as well. And then if, you know, CJ or LaFleur emerge as another lefty, that's going to be a big deal moving forward. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, Louisiana, sweeps Georgia State. Uh, they win another Sunbelt Conference Series. They no midweek games uh, this week or next week, but they do go to Boone next weekend and then uh, back home against UTA the following weekend. Coach, how much during the season are you following, if at all, the the RPI? Because um, I, you know, you bring it up from time to time. You guys made a jump this past weekend. Uh, Georgia Southern is all the way up to third in the RPI, a team that you guys beat in a series a few weeks ago. How closely are you following it week to week? This time of year, a lot, uh, because there's some strategic decisions that have to be made, right? And uh, it, it's like right now, we have uh, – you still there, Scott? Hello? Sorry, Coach. Okay, I was just – I got something in my throat. I'm sorry. Go back. You were saying strategic decisions. Right. The, the audience yeah, didn't hear yeah. that. Only you did, by the way. But I no, <clears throat> got something caught in my throat there. Technical difficulties. Get <laughs> no, dessert we're something. good. We're good. Uh, no, I mean, there's some you, there's strategy moving forward. I mean, we were right smack dab in the middle of, you know, at large discussion. And and uh, and, I, and I think there, there's going to be multiple teams from our league in, the, in a regional, too. And so uh, you, 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 you're a fool not to to understand that and some of our metrics are really good right now you know winning record when you look at q1 q2 games combined uh really good winning uh, road record uh we have the number four overall non-conference schedule that's four, number four in the country 
And so, like, like right now, there's two games out there that we could, we we could still play, but it's got to be against the right opponent. And uh, you know, when you look at the right opponents regionally, and you look at you know Southern Mass, well, they don't need a game, and Tulane doesn't need a game, and uh, you know, just La Tech, they, they don't need a game. It's and so it's got to be the right matchup because if not. You're only gonna, uh, and 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 it's a sad state of affairs, really. I wish it didn't come down to a computer ranking, but it does, and so you have to be smart. And uh, right now, we've got to continue to play the rest of the schedule that we got and uh, work to win every single one of them. And and so, yeah, to answer your question, it's a big deal uh, because you want to be in a strong league, and you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into having to win a conference tournament like most mid-major leagues and our, our league moving forward, make no mistake is not going to be mid-major. It's, it's uh, with, the, you know, we're at, with the teams we're adding and the teams that are current, we currently have that are playing at a national level. Uh, it's going to be one of the better leagues in the country. And uh, so you, you have to be cognizant and aware uh, just in the, look, I wish we played a hundred games. I think if you're going to be a developmental uh, league for the big leagues and, and, and really uh, supplement the minor leagues, then you need to play. I wish we played every day, a hundred games and, and we were developing and you were playing it out the way it's meant to be, but we're not. And uh, so you have to play by the rules that you're given and you've got to be smart and strategic within that. And uh, we're starting to play some good baseball. We're still not where we're going to be, but we're getting pretty dang good, man. Coach Matt Deggs, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, uh, talking about RPI and the Sun Belt and the future of the Sun Belt, certainly with the additions coming next season. Um, when, you're, when you're playing a team like Texas State in a few weeks, it's easy to see, right? They're top 50 RPI. They've been really good this year. They're a, a great offensive club. They're 20-5 and five at home, all that stuff. When you're playing teams that are in your conference that are not high in the RPI, like you have coming up on the schedule, does that – the the margin for error becomes slim. Is there just, you want to win all of them, but does that go into, you talk about strategy, how you might have to coach some of the games in there, hoping that, look, we, we gotta, we gotta win all of these because we're thinking about the big picture here. Yes, we want to win today, but from an RPI standpoint, we just can't really afford to lose to these guys. Yeah. And that's life, uh, you know, in in a non power five conference, uh, you know, you, you can pick your non-conference schedule. You can't pick your conference schedule. And, uh, so yeah, there's a, it's, it's tedious and it's, uh, there's, uh, there's apprehension at times, especially in some of those games that you just explained, man, like the last two week stretch, we just went through, you know, at Arkansas state, ULM at home. Uh, that's, that's, uh, there's high leverage there, man. And it's not like we're playing Stanford, you're playing, you know, you, you, you need to win. And, uh, we've done a pretty good job at finishing series and, uh, you know, since the Troy debacle and, uh, which, you know, if you said you, you could have three games right now back, I mean, obviously it's the eighth inning against Arkansas. I mean, that game's won and, mm-hmm. Southern Miss series is going to be ours, and and we we drop a lead in the what was the eighth or ninth against Georgia Southern. I mean that's how close we are to being 
not only a top 10 RPI team, but inside the top 15 or top 20 in the rankings. I mean, it's, uh, but that's where we're at. And, uh, you know, we're, the good news is we're still getting better and better and better. Keep grinding, Coach. Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball um, in action next weekend in Boone against App State. Following week, they have finals, and they're welcoming UT Arlington. Uh, two against Rice, on the road against Texas State, Nichols, and then Little Rock. And then before you know it, you guys will be in Mobile, and uh, Coach Deggs is going to – I don't know. I don't know if he's going to go see Top Gun 2 on, you know, maybe if they have a night off or if he's just going to have to wait till the end of the season. But every time I see I a preview for Montgomery. It, oh, I'm sorry. I said Mobile. Correct. Montgomery. Yes. Sorry. I was like, Montgomery? Top Gun? No, that's in California. Yes, Montgomery. Sorry, I had softball on my mind for a moment. In Montgomery, uh, and Coach might be looking up where the theaters are there. He might just have to wait till the end of the season because they got a title to play for. But, um, Coach, man, as always, I appreciate the time. I know you guys got in really, really late last night, but always enjoy our Monday conversations, and yeah. uh, we'll talk to you this week. Yeah, me too, Scotty. I appreciate it, man. All the best. All right, I'll see you later. See ya. Rage Occasion Head Coach Matt Deggs. I, I, I think they got back at like 2 a.m. The team. Travel and now it's off to Boone against an App State team that you know you can't. We're just talking about it. You're following the RPI closely. You need you need the sweep. You need the sweep. And App State is one forty three RPI. Not bad. Not great. Not bad. Right. Middle of college baseball. But UT Arlington, they're 241. Little Rock, 219. Right? It's that margin for error because of some of those close ones. But he's like, look, we're getting better. It's part of it. Playing. Rice. Rice is 11 to 29. They're, They're 192 RPI this year. That Texas State series in San Marcos. And that's, look, RPI in college baseball, I don't start paying attention to it closely. I know some people follow it from day one, and I get it. It's usually like mid-April where it's like, all right, let's take a look. Especially if you're a team that's getting hot and you're on the right path and you're climbing up the the, the, the RPI rankings, which UL has been doing. Big part of that is that strength of schedule. Currently fourth. It's going to change week to week. Margin fair is slim, but man, to go get a sweep at Georgia State, that was huge. Georgia State, who entered the weekend with an RPI of 36, they get swept, now it's 57, and that's after getting swept by a team with a good RPI. Slim margin of error. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. When we come back, phone lines open up again. 337-269-1077. Talked a good bit about the NBA playoffs in particular. Really, we just talked Pell's Suns in game four last night. But what about the rest of the NBA playoffs over the weekend? NFL draft coming up Thursday as well. And revisiting... Rage of Cajun softball and the rigorous road trip that is now 
in the rear view. It's all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. A great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a big skin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Huge possession. Take your time. Move the basketball. Giannis looking for three. Gets the triple. Hey, incredible effort. Incredible effort. All you guys came in and brought a level of physicality that is unmatched. It is tough to play against teams like that for 48 minutes. You guys brought it. JV, way to respond after last game. You dominated in the paint. We dominated the boards. Jose, way to just tear the game up. That's what we need. Chris and those guys, it's hard to play against that type of pressure, that type of poise. You see, they got the flagrants. They got the technical fouls. We flipped it, okay? Great job. Now we got to go Phoenix and do it again. Yes, sir. Again. Together on three. One, two, three. Together. Welcome back into the great Scott show coming at you on a Monday morning NFL draft week tomorrow. My guy, Luke Johnson, Saints beat writer from the New Orleans Tide Picune and the advocate will join me. We'll talk about the Saints who have two first round picks Thursday. Pelicans also will be hosting the Suns in game six. For the pro teams in the state of Louisiana, it will be a uh, a big night. I go on a, uh, almost every year, I go on a retreat every year, same one. Important to me, important for my my soul, for my family, for all the important things in life. It is scheduled to begin Thursday evening at like 8.30, which I've been there before when there's been a draft, but I don't don't know what I'm going to do, guys. Game six? I don't know. I'm just going to sneak sneak the game on the phone, check it out. I mean, I'll get to catch like, some of the game, oh, later parts right of it, now. but I don't know. Any tips or tricks? At the same time, I sort of need to be open, log off, but it's a tough time for retreats. Also, Festival International this upcoming uh, week in Lafayette, next week in Cajun softball finally coming back home this weekend as well after a 
rigorous road trip. It's been a while, right? It's been a while. They hadn't, they hadn't played at, at, at Yvette Gerard Field at Lamson Park in a while. Now, they will play Houston this Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And Houston, I think their RPI is 90. At least it was prior to this past weekend. UL's is 32. You know, someone called me last hour, like, worried about the RPI. Cajun softball, that's not you, – you follow the RPA closely this time of year when you're vying for that one seed to host or, you know – potentially even be a top eight seed. It's not the case this year. That ship kind of sailed earlier this year with some of the non-conference losses, in my opinion. I think they're sitting at, I don't know the latest, it was 32 before the series against App State, and they lost one. App State's RPI back there in the 150s, and they won two. So they're going to be a two or a three seed in regional. And at that point, there's really not much of a difference once you get in. It's like an 8-9 seed in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, a women's basketball tournament. It's kind of, you could be an 8 or a 9. It's basically the same thing. The only difference is the number in front of you, but the path is the exact same. Coach Glasgow, someone asked me about his foot last hour. So you know how he broke his foot? I didn't realize that had you know was public, but he just re-aggravated an old injury while pitching batting practice. That's what happened. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. But they're ready to be back at home. And uh, we'll have the the game on for you Wednesday. We'll also have the Pelican Suns game on for you tomorrow night via ESPN Radio. 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock tip. Catch some NBA playoff basketball. We'll have the NFL draft on for you Thursday night. A great time of year, man. As I was saying a few weeks ago. April is such an underrated sports month. It doesn't get talked about with March. It doesn't get talked about with October. But from opening day in Major League Baseball to the NBA playoffs to the meat of the college baseball and softball schedule to the NFL draft, are you kidding me? I I might have to rethink what the best month in the whole sports calendar is. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077, 337-269-1077. The big man, Jose Valanciunas, got it going last night. Had a, you know, solid game one and two, awful game three. Game four, he was feeling it. He was feeling it. And in the 15-point win last night, he had another double-double, which, by the way, he was third in the NBA this year in double-doubles. 26 points, 15 boards. He spoke to TNT shortly after the win last night. Well, Jonas, there is no quit in this basketball team after a Game 3 loss at home that could have deflated you. But instead, it did the exact opposite. Why is this team so confident it belongs on this stage? We're going to fight. We humble. We want to win. We're going to fight till the last second. That's that's our identity. That's how we play. And uh, there's no other way for us. After a one-for-five performance from you, you come out and you have a career playoff high. How personal did you take game three? Every game I take personal, you know. Last game wasn't my greatest game. Uh, you know, I had to. I, I didn't sleep. Uh, I was thinking. Uh, I put everything together. You know, I got to be better, and uh, I'll keep performing. When you watch Alvarado and Herb Jones and all these young players, 
How does it electrify you and give you energy to see them out there playing with full confidence and strength? Well, they're playing with a high energy, high confidence. You know, they want to win. That's the best thing about our team. We all want to win. That's what drives us. What was the best part of watching this place stand up and just shake and rock with noise and excitement for this Pelicans team? Well, you know, it's been... Lately, it's been really, really loud, and I appreciate the fans coming up and supporting us, and that means a lot, you know, for a young team like us, you know, uh, building, building building new identity, it's, it's, it's huge. We'll see you in Phoenix. Thanks so Thank much. You. Take care. There you have it. Jonas Valanciunas, who I thought a great game plan from Willie Green last night was putting Jonas back in the lineup with the second unit when JaVale McGee was on the floor. And while JaVale got some things done offensively, and he's been very good in this series, Jonas was really able to go to work offensively. Andrew Lopez, friend of the program, ESPN beat writer and reporter, you see him on ESPN covering the Pels, asked Willie Green about that decision and just about Jonas's overall play last night. Here's what the head coach of the Pelicans had to say. It was just something we went back and looked at. Um, coaching staff did a great job of pointing out that, you know, Larry was a bit better um, with Aiden being able to move and be able to get to his contested jump shot, that mid-range shot that he gets off pick and rolls, and um, giving JV more of a look on JaVale. And um, I thought it looked pretty good. We'll go back and watch the tape. But overall, just great effort um, from JV. Like I said, he dominated 15 rebounds, and um, that's – that's what we have to do. We have to throw the ball to him a, a bit more. I think the foul count was, it was plus 12. Uh, the free throws, I think, were plus 27. I know sometimes when you see that, they'll, coaches could say one thing, but from, from your perspective, was that just your guys just being ultra-aggressive today, and was that part of the game plan? For sure. We were being aggressive. We had a mindset that we wanted to get into the paint. We want to get to the free throw line. They dominated the paint last game. They had 64 points in the paint, so we were well aware that we we have to do better in that area. One more for me. Uh, sorry. Going to, to campaign, it seemed like when, when he was in there, it was a little bit of a different coverage than what you had on, on Chris. How big was that change to kind of treat them a little bit different and throw even more things at them? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I have to go back and watch. I'm not sure what, what we were doing at that time, but Cam Payne is another guy that is, is speedy uh, in open floor. He, he, he can get to the lane and basket easily uh we just like i said we we have to throw this team different looks they've seen it all um made a deep run into the finals last year all of these guys are better and we have to keep them off balance like we did tonight number of adjustments and i think for 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 willie green the familiarity factor is part of it you play 82 games in a season yeah you play the teams in your division more but it's not like in the nfl and Phoenix is not in the Southwest Division. You become more familiar with an opponent when you play him in a playoff series that extends to five, six, seven games. But for Willie Green, having been on that staff for a team that didn't have that much, that many changes. And why would Phoenix make major changes considering they were two wins away from a championship last year? Green being the lead assistant on that staff, Green, having been a former teammate of Chris Paul's, both in New Orleans and with the Clippers, and having coached him. Now, you can be familiar with Chris Paul all you want. He's still going to 
do things that you know he's going to do anyway, and he's still going to do them well. Last night was one of his worst postseason games ever. But he's going to come out desperate, ready to fight on Tuesday. Should be a great game. But that familiarity factor for Willie Green, knowing Phoenix well, knowing Monty Williams so well, having played for Monty and coached with Monty, there are adjustments being made, not just you know game to game, but in game constantly. And this has been you know this has been such a fun series, been such a fun series. In other NBA news, Jokic. 37-point Sunday. Looks like only one first-round series could be a sweep. Sweeps are kind of boring. I guess if it's the Celtics-Nets, there's plenty of storylines, whether it be Ben Simmons or something else. Bucks tearing up the Bulls. How did Grayson Allen score 49 points in the last two games? Hawks got one. The Heat put the foot down last night. You got Clippers Nets tonight, excuse me, Celtics Nets tonight. Celtics going for the sweep. Raptors Sixers, Sixers going for the gentleman sweep. Jazz Mavericks tied at two. On TNT, not the NBA TV game tonight, not getting relegated. Luka's back. Of course, he came back and they lost, granted, by one. It's been a close series. It's been a close series. It's been fun, man. It's been a fun first round. Phoenix, New Orleans, Tuesday night at 9. We'll have that for you on our airwaves. In Minnesota, after getting, you know, Minnesotaed, blowing a gigantic lead that had the Atlanta Falcons trending last week, they, they bounced back and answered with a win on Saturday to even up the series. And John Morant cuts a great promo. He hadn't been playing great in the postseason. He's the star of the franchise. He's the face of the franchise. But it's been the other guys in Memphis that have that train rolling right now. Coming up tomorrow, as I mentioned, Luke Johnson will be on the show. We'll talk Saints draft. Jay Walker will be in studio at 8 o'clock. We'll talk college baseball. We'll talk RPI. We'll talk a little softball as well. We'll have Terrible Tune Tuesday. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned. The Dan Patrick Show is next. Dan Patrick of the Danettes back this week after a little vacation. I will talk to you guys tomorrow morning bright and early. Thanks to Coach Matt Deggs for coming on the show. Coach Glasgow will return to his 715 time slot next week. Have a great Monday, everybody. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'll give you a new-